What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Because the Warhorse, well, fucked until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! Don't think, don't company, no entity, all pro wrestling, No more questions about that damn house. What's up, WrestleManiacs? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Wrestling. It's Journey Into Wrestling, Season 5, Episode 6. I am your host, Nate, today joining me, finally, back again. I feel like his entrance music is going to hit out of nowhere. He's going to run down the ramp, stop a mud hole in everybody's ass who was in the ring, and walk it dry, and then just stand there, and everyone's going to bask in his fucking glory. Welcome back to the show yet again, King Kong of Wrestling Buckles. How are you, my friend? I I am here. I am surviving. I am uh, happy to be back. It's been, a, it's been a rough couple of weeks, and I've been in and out, and I'm happy to get back to the sense of normal, so I'll put it that way. I took a week off in your honor. We were going to go last week, and then turbulence... And because of the turbulence and my turbulence, I didn't find an opportunity to record. We just really frank with everybody. And I thought, I, I can't, I honestly couldn't talk full gear, regardless of whether you've actually been able to witness it or not, without you being present because of our friendship and, and you know, the specialness. I mean, we did the run-in for full gear last season, so right. it's kind of a big deal on our show. We do like to... You know, hype it up quite a bit, my friend. But uh, yeah, it you know it's 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 been a wild time. Like I said, I don't know how much you want to talk about what's been going on, but the floor but, is yours to say what you want to say. Really, I, I kind of I thought about it ahead of time because, like, uh, just to go back over the last few weeks, uh, I missed uh, what would have been the first show of November. I think it was um, missed that show. You ran that one solo. I did one back after that, and then. Um, I missed another week, which was uh, this past week. And just to kind of get everybody back at the speed, I don't like leaving people in the dark. Um, been a, uh, not the best of Novembers for me, really just to pull the full curtain back. Um, I actually lost, uh, both, uh, two of my surviving grandparents last week, uh, both with COVID, um, uh, 89, 90 respectively. Uh, and they passed about 36 hours apart. Um, Tragic and I, beautiful all at once, man. There's a there's a nice story to it. I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to the nice, and I'm trying to dwell on the nice. It's been a been a bit of a week. Um, 
but uh, no, they've been in the hospital for the last couple of weeks. Um, that's part of the reason why I missed a couple of weeks back was that we might have lost them back then. So it stretched on for a little bit longer. Um, point of fact, that first night that we were going to record and I missed, I had been told not to expect much that night or to expect the worst, I should say. Um, but uh, long story short, uh, kind of a nice thing about my grandparents. Um, the thing that I've kind of kept myself holding on to, um, they both had the same birthday. Uh, born the same day, one year apart, and then passed the same year, one day apart. Um, and I can't think of anything really more fitting than that, considering uh, they did everything together. Uh, 73 years married. So, pretty damn cool. Damn, that's um, an impressive run, man. That's a, a fucking great game, if, if I do say so myself. Like, that's innings well played, you know? So... With all that going on in my uh, personal life, I really haven't had a hell of a lot of time to sit down and watch a lot of wrestling lately. Really. Uh, I've gotten to you know, see the Raws and the Smackdowns here and there. I've seen Dynamite the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, I missed Full Gear. Uh, at the time, I missed it because of uh, uh, personal obligation. And then I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet because I was at a funeral all last So I've been out of town and really haven't had time to sit down and actually watch it. So it's on my on my to do list. Hopefully, I'm thinking maybe Saturday night if I get an opportunity to. I'm gonna try to this weekend, either Saturday night or Sunday night. Well, no, Sunday is uh this coming Sunday. No, excuse me, uh, next Sunday is Survivor Series. We still got another week, so I get in on this Sunday. I will. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm up to speed on everything. I just haven't got to watch it. So, okay. Hmm. Full gear thoughts from Nate in a nutshell. Uh, overall, I really enjoyed the show. I thought a lot of great decisions were made and a lot of brave choices were made. And actually something we had talked about, I don't know why, I don't know what my streak with shit like this is, and I, I can't pretend to understand it. <laughs> but I said this should be the moment where Darby gets crowned, and it was. Um, and that was shocking. And there were other moments that were shocking, and there were... Um, you know, amazing, literally amazing wrestling moments that just gave you um, immense feels. Um, but I feel like AEW is in this point where they're turning a lot of cogs and they have a lot of stories that are about to really ramp up, but we're still in that not quite as ramped up phase as we could be. And, you know, as of Dynamite this week, I think that's kind of been pulled back a little bit. But as of just looking at Full Gear as and of itself. Um, so, Buckles, I'm going to real quick throw down a couple uh, note things just for the Omega page match. It opened Full Gear, uh, the oh, official card. Okay. What's up? I, could, I, didn't remember, I didn't realize it was the opening match. All right. Yeah, it kicked off Full Gear, and it was... Uh, well, there there are a couple things that are really noticeable. No, notable. First and foremost, here's the first right out the gate. Boom, Don Callis is on commentary mm-hmm. on AEW television, and he is the uh, the head booker and might even be the owner. I don't know if he's the owner. You correct me if I'm wrong. There of Impact Wrestling. He is the booker. He is not the owner. Anthem still owns him. Anthem does still own him. Okay, thanks for the clarification. But still. Okay, so and I'm going to get more to that in a little bit. So that was the first thing out of the gate I noticed. And, of course, he and Kenny have a very unique relationship. It's really thanks to Don Callis that the Jericho Omega match 
at Wrestle Kingdom 10 even happened, or was it 11, 10, I can't remember. Whichever one it was, the Alpha versus Omega match is kind of really what set the stage for what now becomes AEW and all the success they've had as well as everything right. the Bucks have done. So, to just really, not even to mosey into it, there's just several moments that I'm going to point out, and there's a lot of action that happened in the match. The match kind of had a nice slow build. It was a little bit... They're doing a great job of making you not like Kenny Omega, and I think that's good because they have people who are expecting him. Like me, I want to see him go full-blown cleaner. We're right on the cusp of that. We saw a very, 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 very close, as close as we've seen in AEW so far, rendition of that in Dynamite this week. But here are some things that stuck out to me in the match. Uh, there's a moment where Omega, like, got. He, I think I'm pretty sure he got... Irish whipped towards the barricade and instead of taking the bump he jumped and fucking did a moonsault into page and I was baffled I was like oh that's badass uh there was also a moment where page did like a leap a leapfrog clothesline I, I that's the best way to describe it you'll see it in the match when you watch it buckles from the middle rope and it was a it was amazing like he just I can't even describe how he did it it was really cool uh there's a, a moment that I actually thought that Omega might have gotten hurt, uh, and and you can maybe clarify, and, and he might have taken a little bit of damage, but it didn't obviously put him out fully. But they, there was a tope con hero over the, over the top, and the way he landed just did not look pleasant. Uh, I, I noted, because I'm live writing this in my thing as the match is happening, that they have really great chemistry between each other. Like, Paige and Omega, and of course, Omega could have great chemistry with a fucking twig. Right. But the the beauty, and this is, this, is, this is why I know the payoff in the story they're about to tell, and you can really, we're going to talk about it on this episode, you can see where they've mapped out where things are going. And that these two's chemistry is, it, it was conflicted. They know each other very well. They worked very well together as a tag team. They have history in the elite together. You know, now Paige is the outcast and whatever. And, uh, you know, Paige was, you know, kind of this ghost in a different moment that happens on Full Gear that we'll talk about. But, like, they're doing a great job of painting him as this, like, the man who is hitting rock bottom is hitting rock bottom in front of the world. And they need to do with Paige, in my opinion. And... What is that ultimately going to do? It's going to make him a great hero when he overcomes, beats Kenny for the title. We get this whole new reign of of things, and and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. So there's a power bomb on the ramp, and I want to talk about this power bomb on the ramp because I have an opinion of it, and Cornette has an opinion of it, and I listened to Cornette's opinion of it, and was like, oh, man, now I have to watch it again. To really like put my psychology brain on. And what he said made sense. So what happens is Paige power bombs Kenny onto the fucking ramp where it's carpeted. Rolls yeah. him in the ring, power bombs him again, and then goes for a pen and only gets a two. So he did a super power move outside of the ring, a second power move immediately following, and then only got a, a barely a two count. And it, it, it is kind of like kind of goofy. But in the moment of watching it, it looked so fucking brutal. And it was like 
to me, and this is why I'm countering what Cornette said, to me, the, the thing that made that moment was that Omega was showing that no matter how fucking devastated he was, he couldn't give up. Right. And he wouldn't give up. And that even if he was beaten to the ground, he'd still try to raise that shoulder at the last possible second. And that, again, powerful storytelling. So, Cornette, sorry, bro, you got that wrong. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. Was Cornette's take that, you know, a powerful move on the outside, like the powerbomb in the ramp, should be a finish to the match? Yep. Okay. So, quick thing, quick aside about Cornette, you have to throw any of his opinions on, uh, on Omega out almost immediately. There's not a damn thing that Omega's going to do that Cornette's going to like. Yeah, he's a hater. He's just I mean, drinking the haterade. Yeah. Um, you're not going to expect him to say anything good about an Omega or a Young Bucks match. And there's a lot of things where I actually agree with him about Omega personally. But um, there's a match we're going to talk about later on the show. Uh, I actually had a similar thought uh, when a babyface or uh, the underdog takes multiple shots. Uh, there's a sequence, again, we'll get into this match later, and I'll make a point to reference it when we get there, um, takes two or three, I mean, should be match ender moves and comes away with a kick at it too. And it looks, okay, maybe this is a little over the top. Maybe there's too many things in a row. We shouldn't be able to kick out of that last one. Well, the whole point is that sometimes that never say die baby face, you have to let him get to that moment where he is not going to say die. <laughs> And that's the point. That's the whole idea behind that kind of spot. And it works almost every time when you play it right. Sounds like they did that right with Omega. Oh, absolutely. Um, So there's, okay, only a couple more things in my notes here. There was a big counter exchange. And I wrote big counter exchange because I knew if I tried to sit there and type out every move exactly as it happened, I would definitely fuck it up and miss something. But essentially it was like Omega went for the... uh, the fucking knee and missed the V trigger and missed. And then hangman flipped outside of the ring and then turned back around and flipped and went for the buckshot lariat and missed. And then Kenny went for the, I think the buckshot and missed and then, or no, no, no. Kenny went for the buckshot and missed. And then he got buckshot out of his boots and it looked fucking brutal. And it was just poetry in motion. Uh, and then this is what I wrote for the finish. It's It took two V-triggers and a one-winged angel for Omega to actually beat Paige. Yeah. Wasn't one just... Stays pretty much the most protected finisher in all of wrestling. So. Yeah, but he did literally back-to-back V-trigger. Like, he hit the V-trigger, was thinking about picking him up to go for the one... Nope. Hit a second V-trigger and then went for the one... Like, he really wanted to cement and ensure he could finish Paige there because Paige had given him his absolute all. And JR at the end said something on commentary that made me happy. He said, thanks again for having Don Callis on commentary and the great work you're doing over there on Impact. All right. So now we have AEW shouting out Impact, hyping up NWA. I'm just saying... As a quick assignment, in fact, actually, there may be a little bit more of cross-pollination coming from that. Um, the only real note I had for Impact, actually, just to feed it in a little bit, um, this this Tuesday was the final match for the Rascal in Impact. Contract expired. Yeah. Um, now, word is that 
two of them, Dez and Wentz, are uh, all but a done deal to go to NXT. Interesting. They've had a standing offer there for apparently months. Um, however, that's only two of the three because Trey Miguel is rumored to be going to AEW. Interesting. So we could see a little more from Impact into AEW as well. Now, granted, if their contracts are up, you're not going to see you know a storyline from one showing up on the other. But it is cool to see someone from one company coming to another and not doing so, um, shall we say, Moxley-esque or Miro-esque, where there's some bad blood leaving one and coming to another. This was just a contract ran out, and they're moving on to the next thing, next phase. And, the, and they're going to hype up and be supportive of the Rascals moving forward. I did right. see the thing. Um, it was funny. Somebody made a meme already of the Rascals' final moment on Impact. And it was them hanging their uh, jackets yeah. on the on the thing, and it said the rascals out here hanging their jackets like RVD died, or hang hanging their four twenty jackets like RVD died. Uh, uh, but there's uh, a three that's never gonna fly in, in uh, WWE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so back to back to full gear. Let's talk about John Silver and OC Orange Cassidy. Um, didn't write notes for this one because I didn't really need to. This was not quite the same, but very similar to their match and beyond. Um, right. I'm glad to see they've gotten a little chance to show what they could do outside of uh, outside of AEW style. I tell you, you know, you put him, you put a fucking feather in his cap way back when he first first got on TV, and even before then, you were hyping him up. John Silver has become the darling of BTE and has like, whew, they're just going to push that kid to the fucking moon. And I'm telling you, I mean, I'm not to say anything for the personality. The BTE showing his personality a lot more, but in the ring, dude can go. Totally. Dude can really go. Um, and uh, I think got to showcase that and with somebody he's comfortable with in OC as well. Yeah, but I mean that you know, and those two had a great fun match. They did a little bit of the comedic shit that they're known for. Uh, one moment that I thought was really fun was John Silver ripping the pockets out of yep. uh, OC's pants, and it was just like, okay, these guys are just dialing their chemistry back up, and this is going to be fun. And it was a beautifully fun, well thought out match. Telling you, last time I saw them wrestle on Beyond, if I'm not mistaken, John Silver ran to the back halfway through the match and came out in denim and sunglasses. Yeah, of his- yes, he did. That's ex- exactly. That was amazing. Now he didn't do that in this match, obviously, but it was still really good. Um, the day they turn him on Brody Lee and turn him face is going to be my happiest day in AEW. Yeah, I don't know though because I feel like, honestly, my opinion is this. The entirety of Dark Order is a a, a babyface heel cusp right now, mm-hmm. and could easily. I, I guess here's what I would have to say: you would have to kick Brody Lee out of the Dark Order to do it right, because everybody else is really, 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 really funny and good, and the chemistry with um, what is it? Was Stu Grayson? That's Dose, um, and and U- Evil Uno. They're hilarious. Five is hilarious. Anna J is hilarious. I mean, they, they, the the chemistry they all share is so special, and they're all doing it without Brody. 
here's the problem with turning them full face is if you turn them comedic face while still leaving them as kind of a, a big faction like that, that's pretty much what the inner circle is at this point already. True. No, I got look. I get it. I get that logistically, there you got to watch how much you're. You're, but I think there's a long term thing. You got another two years out of the Dark Order being what they are, and I could even see honestly, this is just me being real, Brody being a world champion as the leader of Dark Order, and we almost having a ministry esque flashback right. in their power before they go full comedic and and turn and turn to the good guys. And who knows where we'll have or what we'll have out of the inner circle. Oh, they're going to break the up by any stretch. I think they're keeping, because their factions, all the factions in AEW are slowly getting bigger and bigger. You and, notice this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a faction war for sure. Yeah. I mean, even with Team Taz last night. And we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But all the factions are kind of just like they have in New Japan are getting bigger and bigger. So we're going to see more, I think, longstanding faction warfare, which is kind of nice. Um, I'm glad... Again, glad to see Silver got uh, got his push. You and I had talked about a little bit before Full Gear about I had my doubts about the card itself. It was it seemed to me like it was a weak card going in. Um, and it seems like the matches all, for the most part, all delivered. Um, oh yeah, I feel like it was a little more predictable than it should have been, um, with the exception of maybe Darby Allen. Um, I don't think anybody really anticipated that that uh, Moxley was going to lose to Eddie Kingston. I don't think anybody really anticipated that uh, MJF was going to lose to Jericho. Um, the I hate to say that nobody anticipated Hikari Shida losing to uh, Nyla Rose, but that's mostly because I don't think anybody really cares. Um, but then you get the tag title match, and I, I still feel like the build and the, uh, the last-minute addition of these the stipulation really gave the ending away a little too cleanly. That so made it a little too predictable for me that the Bucks were going to come away winning. No, I totally agree with the predictability of this card was a little bit obvious in the direction they were going, but however... Moxley match with Kingston could have went either way, and I'll explain that in a minute, especially what we know now. Not saying, not saying, I mean, the fact that they could have gone either way during the match is credit to them during the match itself, but I don't think anybody going in expected Kingston to have a chance. Sure, 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 for sure. Um, let's let's jump back, though, and talk about the Darby-Cody match because it was overall a great match. You know, they work really well together. We've seen this before. We've seen them at, what was it, Fighter Fest, I think? Um, they had a match and it was amazing, yeah, and so. and um, <clears throat> you know uh, it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't right after, right after that match that uh, Sean Spears came out and wrapped his chair around Cody's head. Yeah, see, and and here we are, you know, it's all it's all coming back around. Uh, so you had the, you know the moment of Darby winning, and then you had Team Taz come out and beat the shit out of him. And then here, uh, here's something that we haven't talked about yet, though. Darby Allen gets to officially now. I'm not counting the women's division because they obviously don't. They haven't landed any major female WWE talent that should, you know, hold up their banner as as champion. But 
Darby is the first non-WWE guy to hold any major title in AEW. True. And that is pretty fucking cool and impressive. And I, I'm not going to lie. It was cool that he got his moment for a second, and then Team Taz came out, jumped him, and beat the shit out of him to kind of further drive that story and do it then and there. They didn't wait till the next week on TV. They drove the narrative in that moment. That's one thing I think WWE has not done a lot of in the last 10 years, is not being afraid to drive the moment in the moment. And WWE's done a lot wrong, so we, I don't think we can talk about all that, unfortunately. Yeah, um, but all in all, I really enjoyed the Darby-Cody match. I think you will, too. It was really cool to hear him announced as Cody Rhodes again, just to say it. I thought they weren't going to do that, though. I thought Cody said he wasn't going to embrace that right away. No, he did right away. I mean, literally, as soon as he got the rights back, he was announced on Dynamite and then again on on Full Gear. That's what I mean. I thought he had said even if he got the rights back, he was just going to stay Cody. Uh, I think JR might have had something to do with it because the way JR, whatever JR says during the commentary kind of made a lot of sense is like finally being able to take his legendary name and use it and be able to say it. It's not a secret. We all know who he is. We all know whose kid he is. Right, you know, so you know, um, that was that was that was cool. Uh, briefly on the Hikaru Shida Nyla match, very brutal, very physical match, and really Shida went and pulled something out of her that I didn't see coming, of a, a really an even more vicious side and a dr- dude. Okay, I'm not gonna give too much away in the match. I think it is worth your time to watch the match and actually kind of get into it. There's a moment though, Shida dead to rights has Nyla pinned. And what does she do? She pulls her off the fucking mat. And I was like, oh, yes. Like, this is the viciousness that I want to see out of our champion. And then she kept bringing it. And they told a really great story. However, I'm not going to go without talking about it because I don't know if any other podcast talked about it a week ago because we're a little bit late here on our full gear coverage. Nyla really faux pod hardcore after the match. Really? Her and Vicky are standing face-to-face, okay? Right. They're having this confrontation because Vicky's pissed she lost her opportunity at the title. Nyla, loudly not hidden, goes, slap me. Bam, Vicky slaps her, and that was the end of the segment. They walked off after that. So it was really, ugh. If we wouldn't have been able to hear or see or read the slap me thing, it would have been way more impactful for Vicky to just wail on her, but you gotta, you gotta give Nyla a little bit of leeway, and I'll, you gotta give everybody right now a little bit of leeway because right now, without the full crowds, cameras are gonna pick up everything just a little bit more. Microphones are gonna pick up just a little bit more. Well, now, when, granted, I've seen everybody doing that kind of crap, but I gotta give her a little bit of a doubt. I'll let you be the judge of how egregious of a of a of a folly this is. Because it's very, very noticeable. You're going to be like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. the happens. fucking whole crowd at at Daly's place hurt her. All the way up in the rafters. Darby Allen sitting up in the top, top rafters. One yeah. dynamite ago hurt it. That's how loud it was. All right. Um, the Bucks match, yeah. Great match. I don't think it was better than the Bucks Omega match with Paige, Omega, and the Bucks, right? Uh I'm really starting to have my doubts about FTR. Well, 
Here's my thing. Everything they did was right. The match was great. Do you know what I really think is lacking? And I'm, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm just going to say it again. FTR are the ultimate heels when they have a crowd to actually feed off of. You hit it last episode right on the head. I absolutely agree with you. I, I'm, I'm still saying that my, my little seed of doubt is coming from the fact that I'm wondering how much of their greatness is just having really good chemistry with, with some of the people that they have. I want to know, can they have that get a match with anybody, not just with, you know, American Alpha and uh, with uh, DIY? Because on paper, FTR and the Bucks should have blown the doors off of everything else on this card. Well, and I think that had there been crowd interaction, they would have because of the amount of, listen to me, I know there's a limited crowd at Daly's Place, and I know they're hardcore fans, but unfortunately they're hardcore AEW fans. And they might be hardcore AEW fans who didn't give a fuck about FTR when they were the revival. And that means they didn't watch NXT, which means they don't get things. But I will say this. On AEW programming, we had callbacks to matches that were in NXT. We had callbacks to WrestleMania moments. We had all kinds of shit they threw into this match. They had Hardy Boys spots. They had Dudley Boys spots. They had Edge and Christian spots. They did a fucking DIY finish in the match. It was, I mean, they did it all right. The thing that is missing more than anything is that packed house, that fucking tangible energy, man. That, and, and, and they're doing their best. I, and I understand. And listen, I think that revival not getting immediate rematch is really good for the story. Cause right now what you need to do is let the bucks start going on a little hot streak. Let them win. Let them beat all these new teams, top flight, all these other teams coming up, coming in, doing their thing. Just quick aside, I am so excited to see top flight in AEW. I am so fucking happy about that. I, I knew you were going to be jazz. That's why I brought him up. But um, so, you know, you, you, you have them go on this little hot streak where they're beating a lot of teams, but they're not a lot of top teams. And then you can start to sow these seeds of doubt like, well, maybe they just got lucky beating FTR. Because it's kind of how the match went. It was kind of on a on a last minute thing, you know, and a in a in a cash uh, wheeler bad decision, and you take that and you couple it with all these small teams that the Bucks are winning against, and then at let's say Revolution next year coming up in a few months here, you actually have them lose to FTR and FTR takes the titles back, and then you get this kind of tug of war. And you can make that feud actually feel impactful because here's one thing that everybody, and even Cornette did it. He was really pissed off at the way, oh, well, Olivier is going to beat Paige, and that's just that because they want Moxley to lose the title to Olivier because blah, 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 blah. And actually the guy that's on the show with him was like, yeah, but you don't see the long-term storytelling that they're planning on doing where Paige will come back and eventually beat him. And even... Even in that moment, Cornette was like, that would be great storytelling. It just takes a little bit longer. And that's what I think AEW is really trying to drive home here is, sure, you got the, the dream match. Everybody knew it wasn't going to be the greatest thing ever. They're the quote-unquote dream match because it's not going to live up to the hype because you don't have the history there yet. But now you can keep building on that history, and it does give for an opportunity that when we do have a chance to have some live crowds... You're right. You're absolutely right. Shit's gonna pop off. I think. I really, I really, 
I feel it. I feel it. it. It's so close. The biggest weakness, and we talked about it in the lead up to full gear, the biggest weakness for that match going in was the lack of build. So now they have a chance coming out of it to build to something more down the road. And they can absolutely capitalize on that. Now, whether or not they do, we'll see. But I think they actually have a really good chance. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of hoping that they do. I, I want to see that feud be everything it needs to be and everything it can be. They've just got to get to the point where it now is. Uh, so I'm trying to think here and I had a little brain space. Sorry, but, uh, huh. I don't have, yeah. a, I, I don't have a lot to say about the Mox Kingston match. Cause it was just a really brutal thing mm-hmm. that you knew they were going to do. Like they pulled down all the stops and there were really, uh, gross, brutal moments, you know? Um, well, I mean, that's kind of the thing with Kingston is that no one, he was just there to be a challenger. And this is coming from somebody who loves Kingston. He's one of my favorite things about dynamite right now. But again, no one really went into that match expecting him to come away with a win. It felt like a total feud. Oh, you know what? Actually, I, I jumped, I jumped, I jumped. There were two matches that came before that. We had the MJF match, which, MJF went over. Not a lot to talk about. I can't. Right. I can't really decipher where they're going with that storyline. Well, the angle they seem to be leading to is there's still some dissension within the inner circle about him. Like uh, Sammy Guevara is out and out said, "I hate you." Still, and you keep having this kind of stare down between Wardlow and uh, Hager, and there's still one-upsmanship between. MJF and, and Jericho, I think they're going to have MJF trying to supplant the inner, supplant Jericho as the, as the leader of the inner circle. Whether or not he's successful or not, I don't know. I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, but, but I think you put right on the head. You actually you called the end of the match perfectly, uh, the show prior, that he was going to cheat to win and that Jericho would accept the cheating and say, hey, you beat me. Even if you didn't beat me fair and square, you didn't beat me. You beat me the only way that I would have been happy with you beating me by any means necessary, which is what MJF said he was going to do. Right. I'm going to defeat you by any means necessary, and that's just the way it is. And it was the end of the match was fucking brilliant. It was Eddie Guerrero, Jericho all over again. You, It's not my chair. How did this chair end up in my hands? I don't know. He's on the ground. I didn't hit him. Looks bad. Oh shit, you know, and then Aubrey gets wise to it, and there's a there's the 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 you know the most unbeatable move in all of sports and entertainment, you know, roll up, low blow, you know, and it's uh, it was good, it was really good. Now to to talk a little bit about the Matt Hardy match, it's a lot. There's a lot going on in that match. There's some interesting stuff happening. Um, the only thing that I can think of is Sammy does a swanton off this ladder and he hit the mat so hard his shoe flies off. And that made me laugh really hard. Uh, I can't tell if he bladed the head spot through the table. 
and you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there. I can't tell if he legitimately took the concrete to the dome and that's what put him, gave him some color, or if he was blading uh, and caused that to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty in that match. The match, I guess, was, um, you know, pretty hectic. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of run-ins and things and really weird. It's a very Matt Hardy match. And apparently, if you watch the, uh, what is it? The final deletion, ultimate deletion, whatever one he did in Impact, the one he did in WWE, and then this one all tell a overarching story, I guess. I don't know how, but yes, I guess that's the case. Um, it was not bad. And, 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 and again, just to go back to Matt wins and that kind of keeps their feud heated a little bit. Um, then we moved on to the Moxley match. Brutal. Uh, again, with knowing everything we know now, I do think it was kind of stupid for them to not put the belt on Kingston. Uh, I wouldn't say so. Cause, uh, they, they don't want, they didn't want to have a heel versus heel match. Omega is not turning faces and nobody's going to buy Kingston as a face anytime soon either. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, I understand the mechanics of it. I just think that with everything we know, you could have actually given him that moment, maybe faced him out. Like he won the big one and now he's a good guy. Uh, they need him for they need him for the the death triangle people are getting to now. But I mean just to call a spade a spade, it was a placeholder feud. That was all it was a title feud for Moxley without using anybody else that needed to be uh in the MJF thing, the MJF story with Jericho. Uh Cody and Darby are both tied up. So you've already had him beat Archer. You've had him beat Hager. You don't want to have, you don't, you can't throw, uh, you can't throw uh, Omega at him right away because he's still got to wrap things up with, uh, with Hangman at first, or at least get to the point where he's getting close to wrapping things up. So you needed just a placeholder feud. And really, Kingston's perfect for that because he can play, he doesn't have to take that loss. He can just bounce right back to whatever he's doing now. I mean, he was really the perfect, perfect person for that situation. Yeah, it, it doesn't hurt his stock either because how he lost was such a violent, brutal manner. Like, right. Props to him for even surviving. He he took right. an STF with fucking barbed wire on Moxley's arm to the mouth, bro. It's I know. brutal. You man, I've seen stuff from the show. I haven't gotten to watch the whole show, but I've seen stuff from it. Oh man, it's uh, and I gotta say, you know, you can keep saying stuff's brutal, it's brutal, it's brutal. I've seen brutal this weekend, and it wasn't that. But I, I mean, all things considered, I'm looking forward to watching Full Gear, even though I know what happened. Uh, they've spun a couple nice dynamites from it since. Uh, the storyline with Jericho uh, and MGF spun the story with uh, now Kenny. Uh, they've They've kind of pulled a little bit of a swerve on us. We thought they might have pulled that off or held that off until a revolution come February, but no, now we're getting this, uh, I guess, winter is coming show in two weeks, um, which is supposed to be Moxley and uh, Omega for the title, which to me seems like the right time for them to take the belt off of Moxley if that's what they're going to do. That means they don't have to push the Hangman feud back until like June of next year. Don't have to have a double or nothing blow off for the hangman thing. You can get it at Revolution. It moves the timetable up. You, it gives you the opportunity to either have 
Omega going long title run, or if you want to switch it over and, and pay off the Hangman feud at the end, um, it gives you the ability to do that revolution instead of at uh, double or nothing. Um, and really, I mean, they've also got, like I said earlier, with the Faction Wars, Team Taz is getting bigger with the addition of Will Hobbs. Um, Heel Hobbs. Have- How crazy was that to end Dynamite last night with Hobbs? Here's a here's a fun thing. Uh, somebody pointed out on the cage side this morning. Uh, all the times that Hobbs has run in to save Darby or save whoever, and you know, run in to protect them from Team Taz. Not once has he ever actually hit anyone from Team Taz. Ah, no point has he ever made contact with. His, his run-ins have always been kind of late too. So it could be nothing, but it also could be a fun little wrinkle too. Yeah. Um, and really, starting last night, you got the addition of what could be the best feud in AEW women's history in uh, Dr. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Oh, I'm here for my, it. Last night. That brawl between the two was probably the most fun that the show was last night. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of high points coming out of it. Uh, AEW's got a lot of good things for now um flipping over to nxt which i'm finally caught up on as well um nxt has a pay-per-view coming up here in a couple of weeks now we have war games i don't know i know you watch nxt as regularly as i do or don't get caught up on it but nxt's had a couple of decent shows put back together uh back to back um we had johnny gargano losing the united states title to leon ruff of all people on a what was supposed to be a, a squash. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You had, I hadn't gotten to watch it yet, but apparently the women's title match between uh, Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai last night was a banger. I read that headline as well. I've heard that it was takeover quality. Uh, and yeah, and then we get the announcement that um, the McAfee Kings of NXT, so McAfee, Pete Dunn, uh, Lorcan and Birch are going to be entering war games against Undisputed Era, which should be great. And uh, we're going to have a, another women's war game match, which will be Team uh, Team Larray versus Team Shock. Whoa! I mean, war games will be another fun show coming up here soon. I also heard that uh, Finn Balor is back. Um. Yes and no. He came back last night, but he didn't really indicate anything was going on. He's still uh, the NXT well, champion, right? He's still NXT champion. Uh, as far as we know, still recovering from a busted jaw. Um, so he came back last night, but it was really to re- it was supposed to be his, you know, saying what he's going to do next. But it really was kind of a swerve into the reintroduction of the undisputed era. Like he literally said that. While the cat's away, the mice will play. While the cat's back, and look what the cat dragged in, and then here comes the undefeated era. Huh. I mean, it was kind of a backdoor way of just announcing that. I don't think he's going to have a title match at War Games. I think they're just going to skip it because they've got the two War Games matches to cover for it. Sure. Maybe um, he can interfere in that match. Uh, possibly. Um, truthfully, I think we're going to see his first title feud will be as him, with him as a face and not as the tweener he's been playing hmm. because we're getting hints now that Kieran Cross might be coming back ahead of schedule too. 
So you have somebody who didn't relinquish the title in the first place. Had to, had to relinquish the title in the first place. Um, so I think she's been fun. Uh, there's this weird storyline going on with Xia Li and Boa. Uh, some kind of like Asian or like Chinese, like almost triad thing. Weird. Um, supposedly hyping up. There was a mention of she is coming with no real intimation of who she is. We'll see where that goes. Um, you had Dexter Loomis and uh, Cameron Grimes still having their, their fighting and they're both entertaining as hell at what they do. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on NXT. NXT is never really bad by any stretch. Um, flipping over to WWE, uh, unfortunately, the biggest headlines for them have nothing to do with being in the ring, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, the biggest headline from them in ring is that uh, Drew McIntyre won the title back on a random Raw. I have thoughts. I, Do you know why he did that? What's that? Okay, so that was this week's Raw, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, and that was just after Full Gear, right? Uh, two weeks. Okay. Still after full gear. And after full gear, they announced winter is coming and the Moxley thing. December 2nd, which is a dynamite, right? Right. And it seems, we talked about it just a few minutes ago, they are pushing in the direction. This is where Moxley is going to relinquish the title. And we'll talk about his promo he cut last night in a minute. And... He's gonna he's gonna go off in the sunset for a few minutes. So, what does WWE do? But not really to steal the thunder. I don't want that because you can't. It's two different worlds. But they get people buzzing because what did they do? They just took a title off of a major competitor, put it back on their champion that they had for the majority of the year, and it gets people buzzed and talking. And that's what AEW is. That's what they're shooting to do. Oh, I, I I see where you're going with it, but I don't think it was quite that planned out. I don't think they did it to take a shot at AEW. Okay. I think they, I think they did it for two reasons. One, it it Vince and Vince changes his mind, drops the hat. And uh, two, they had the interaction with uh, with Drew and Reigns the week, uh, the Friday before on SmackDown, uh, and it was money. Like those are your two biggest names in WWE right now, and the interaction between the two is great. So the idea now that maybe we should be building to that. Oh, for so, their Survivor Series champion v champion. Yeah. <clears throat> the basically the idea of Drew and and Reigns the hell of a lot better match than Orton Reigns. No one really wants. Put it this way. Uh, if you put the two of them in a match, everyone wants to see Drew kick Reigns' ass. Other way around, they left things as is. Everyone wants to see Reigns kick Orton's ass. And we shouldn't be cheering for Reigns at all right now. So I think this was a little bit of course correction that they needed to do and kind of backdoors them into a, a feud or a match they really need to do in the first place. So I, I don't think it was quite the, quite the underhanded shot at AEW. I think it's more of a happy accident. But I, I, I think their their idea at play there was just more to try to reset what they need their storylines to be. Um, 
and really because the end game is still Edge and Orton at Mania again. Hmm. Um, trying to think anything else from NXT. Retribution got a couple wins. Not that anybody cares. Um, Alexa Bliss has been great on the Firefly Funhouse. That's been a good thing. Yeah. Uh, we finally got the we finally got the end of the Seth Rollins Buddy Murphy feud or the Seth Rollins Rey Mysterio feud. Finally ended um, with uh, Murphy betraying Seth at the end and uh, getting gaining the acceptance of the Mysterio family. Uh, now we're going to get a feud between Seth and, and Murphy uh, starting this week. Uh, granted, Seth's also going to be taking some time off here really soon too, so they're kind of hustling through things. Um, the biggest news out of WWE, however. And don't tell me it's Survivor Series because I don't think anybody really cares about Survivor Series. Mostly because we don't have a reason to care about Survivor Series. There's there's nothing at stake. There's bragging rights for a show that they just got assigned to. I, I no one cares. NXT made Survivor Series fun last year, so of course we're not doing that again. Um, you know the biggest uh, the biggest WWE headline had to do, um, and you and I mean, talked about it briefly on the last show. Uh, but we get to talk about it a lot more, is the firing of Tia Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega. Wild. That is a wild thing they, that happened. It, that is going to be the headline to watch over the next calendar year. What happened with her is going to be a big thing for the rest of 2020 and probably into 2021. Because, um, just for those of you who aren't aware, um, Zelina is a very big Twitch streamer, and someone who supposedly had Vince McMahon's ear. She was really well-liked by Vince. Uh, was supposedly a big fan of her work. Um, Heyman utilized her a lot this year. Really, Zelina Vega could be looked at as one of the MVPs of Raw for this entire year because she she and her storyline, her two charges being, uh, you know, Andrade and, and Angel Garza and Austin Theory to an extent, really drove Raw for most of the spring and summer. Factual. Um, so to go from being the Apple of Vince's eye, essentially, to fired, outright, you know, released, comes from the fact that WWE uh, is cracking down on Twitch stream and Cameo and all these other things, these third-party uh, third monetary games for some of the wrestlers. And that's already a issue in its own right, uh, with the independent contractor issues, um, which has gotten the attention of guys like Andrew Yang, which is WWE doesn't really want. Um, but Zelina being a very prominent Twitch streamer, um, she also had an OnlyFans page. Now, for those of you followers, Zelina is big on cosplay. So OnlyFans, which you know has its own connotation, was mostly just cosplay pictures of her. Uh, as I understand it, but um, rumor is that they asked her to shut her Twitch stream down. She sort of did, sort of didn't. They asked her to shut her OnlyFans down because that was something that wasn't on the contract, wasn't something that they'd mentioned. The OnlyFans was started up either after they'd made the Twitch ban or was just made, you know, right around the same time. They asked her to drop that, and she refused to, so they canned her. So, for all intents and purposes, they fired her, 
because she wouldn't allow them to dictate what she couldn't couldn't do on her own time with her own name outside of WWE's purview while being an independent contractor. So, I mean, there's all kinds of shittiness to it already. And realistically, it's scummy for WWE to fire her. Flat out. I mean, it, it's a scumbag move. They don't They don't really have... I mean, I, I guess they legally have the right to say we miss this myth as far as intellectual property, but if they're using their own names, WWE, by virtue of them being independent contractors, should not be able to tell them what they can't. However, it's even scummier when you take into account the fact that WWE was telling people they could Twitch or they could do streams or whatever if WWE got a monetary cut of it. The same WWE who is, once again, in the most profitable year of their history. They ain't hurting for money. Scumbags. They still want their beats wet for whatever else their contractors are doing. Um, I mean, there's, there's again, there's a lot of layers of scumminess to it. The reason it's a big story and the reason it's going to be a big story going forward is the tweet that Zelina Vegas sent out right around the exact same time that WWE tweeted out that she had been released. And she, she simply tweeted out, I support wrestler unionization. Bingo. And that is something that WWE very much does not want and has fought against in the past and is something that could be coming to the forefront of professional wrestling here very soon. Um, because now when she mentions this, she is now involved in conversations with SAG, Screen Actors Guild, who, you know, unionizes to help the professional actors who are independent contractors. And now maybe taking an interest in protecting wrestlers, televised wrestlers, as guild members, independent contractors, and unionized members. So that might be something, another way that uh, WWE is inviting some attention that it really doesn't want. I, I don't understand the legalese enough, and I don't I don't claim to understand the legalese enough to know what they can and can't do, and what leg they do have to stand on with those arguments. But that's attention that they don't want. That is negative publicity. Now, granted, this is the same company that supported Saudi Arabia during the Jamal Khashoggi thing, so bad publicity doesn't really mean two shits to them when they're making money handed with this. They've they've been very upfront about that. You don't release you don't release a bunch of people and furlough a bunch of people during a pandemic while making money hand over fist if uh, bad PR is something you really care about. But this is again it's PR that they don't want or they don't need. And getting SAG involved is not something that bodes well for them and getting Andrew Yang involved if he ends up in Biden's cabinet because Biden won the election. Woo, baby! If they get if Yang gets involved because he's in Biden's cabinet, then that's really a fall on their side. Because he's stated that he intends to come after them. There you go. And so, that's the ball game because then you're going to get into a real interesting thing. You know, because here's my thought. What if, let's reimagine the wrestling world. Bro, what if, okay, right now, immediately, every wrestler who is 
on the level of pro or semi-pro is no longer working for any company. None of them work for companies. Instead, companies bid against each other to earn the rights to utilize said character. And then they get to tell their stories based on who they win in the bids. And it's essentially, if, you know. It goes back to territory days, essentially. Boom. And, and it, it, goes, it goes back to everything that Vince tried to dismantle. Because the thing is, then you can say, okay, look, you had Eddie Kingston. He was in NWA. Then he went to AEW. And then, surprise, he showed up on Impact and returned to Impact, which he used to wrestle on for a time. And and it was a big moment. And then, boom, he's back in AEW. And then, boom, he's overseas in New Japan. What the fuck? So, what <sighs> I think, as, as, as wonderful as that all sounds, <sighs> not twice. Sorry. I don't think that's the likeliest outcome. I think the likeliest outcome is you have a unionized thing rather than you have a union you have a union representing wrestlers and what they can and can't or when they're getting the contract made for them. But I think you see places like WWE and AEW, really any any place that's gonna have televised talent, that's gonna be your one of your key words is televised because it doesn't matter what somebody does and does on beyond if nobody sees or if people have to go out of their way on an app to see it. Televise it where the screen has to still step in. So you'd call it the PWPA. The, sure. pro, the you call it the PWPA. The Pro Wrestling um, the Pro Wrestling Performers Association. Here's the thing, is that I don't think you're gonna see I think you, you see a lot of these wrestlers uh, sign two full contracts with company X, you know rather than WWE defining all their people as independent contractors and those contractors getting to go elsewhere, you're going to see WWE and AEW and all those others locking down the people they really want or really value to full employee status rather than contractors. Okay. That's going to be what the likeliest outcome is, if there's any change at all. Really... Again, for there have to, for there to be any change at all, you also have to have other wrestlers coming out and support it, and uh, that's going to be harder to come by than you might expect. Well, yeah, because people don't want to biff their reputation by being pro union, and well, then get people uh, pissed at them. There, there's it's there's two things to that. You don't want you have people who are afraid of losing their spot if they come out as pro union. For one, you also have people like I believe it was Alexa Bliss who. You know, comes out and says, "Hey, they've always treated me really well. They've always done really well by me. They've always done very well by my standards. They took care of me, and I never had any problems." The problem is that you're going to have a lot of the people who are, you know, highly valued by WWE. That the big names are going to come out and support WWE because WWE has taken care of. They don't. They don't have a reason to change. They don't need to. They've never had a problem with the system at the same. Because they're the ones that WWE goes out of the way to anyway. Like, you're not going to see a guy like John Cena coming out in, in favor of you because WWE will take care of you. But you might see somebody like a Bo Dallas or a Mojo Rawley come out in support of it because the only thing he's got to lose is a spot that he doesn't really hardly have. Um, Gronk's out here wishing he didn't quit WWE. 
I said Gronk is out here wishing he didn't quit WWE. No, no, Gronk's getting paid well. <laughs> I guess Gronk's that's true. Paid, he's back with Brady, you know, contending for another ring. Um, the other the other side of this is also that uh, WWE is is rumored to be kind of forsaking its house shows, even once the pandemic is over and done with, whenever God knows that might be. They're talking about the fact that maybe WWE doesn't go back to the same touring schedule that they had. Interesting. Which, uh, mostly because that's, you know, they're operating those house shows sometimes at a loss. They're not making that much money off of them. If there's no crowds, if people are afraid to come back to shows, then they're not going to make that much money on all the house shows. So, you know, putting them on maybe costing them more money than it's worth to them. You know, having the Thunderdome. Even though Thunderdome is not what they are, you know, built around, but Thunderdome is actually saving them a lot of money. Yeah, think about how much money they don't have to spend on cleaning up an arena every night. Right, right. Insurance fees, things like that. Granted, they're not paying for the wrestlers to travel. That's part of the issue. But I think, uh, and then the flip side, or the the two sides to the house shows going away. WWE benefits a little bit from it. Uh, some of the talent that performs on those sh- on uh, on Raw and SmackDown regularly, your main carters, your your upper carters, they benefit from it because it's less of a strenuous touring schedule for them. You know what I mean? You, uh, oh, absolutely. Well, with the uh, part of the idea is that you want you know comprehensive health care. For wrestlers, and you know, I've ta- I've always argued that they should have an off season or have, you know, paid time off for some of these wrestlers to go heal up. Less touring is a good way of helping. Less strenuous schedule is a good way of helping that. And your upper carters, your guys like your Reigns and Rollins and McIntyres and all that, they will benefit from that. On the other hand, your guys like Bo Dallas and Mojo Raleigh and the guys who are you know jobbing out on the house shows. That's you know, they're not on TV. They're not making the money from being on TV. Their money comes from the house shows. So they're going to suffer a little bit. For it. And really, they're not performing on house shows. And they're not being used on TV. Maybe you see another roster first come up. You know, WWE's not in the business of paying people that uh, they aren't using, unless it's for petty reasons. They're not paying you to hang out and catering. Well, I mean, what's your name's Bruce or, you know, Lana for the most part or whatever. We have oh. people they're trying to hold back because they know they'll make a bigger impact. And I tell you that, just to you brief. Ask Brody Lee how that feels. Well, what's up? I said ask Brody Lee how that feels. For ask real. So, I mean, they're not above holding people back for petty reasons, but they're not in the business of paying people for sitting out. They might do it for one or two, but they're not trying to do that to everybody. So maybe they do cut names. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot that's going to come from this whole labor situation. Uh, I think we're just now starting to see the tip of it. We're just now scratching the surface. I'm telling you, it's going to be a big story going forward. Well, we may be talking about this a year. From now. We'll have to just keep our eyes on it and keep reporting as things come in. You know, because like you said, this is going to be. This is a shockwave that we'll feel over time in the wrestling world. Um, and really, and that's the biggest thing with WWE right now, honestly. Uh, the Thunderdome, they, they have announced it's going to move to Tropicana Field. 
Baxter coming up, which is supposedly where they're going to stay until uh, Mania season next year. Isn't that outside? It is. Aren't they? Isn't winter about to happen? It is, but it's also in Florida. Well, yeah, but Florida still gets chilly. I talked to Daly's place. They're doing the same thing there. I guess that's true. They're an open field kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. The uh, the other thing for WWE, and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I talk enough about I talk enough bad shit about WWE all the time, and really, it's easy to do so. I could spend another fifteen minutes here talking about the fact that Lana went to the table for nine weeks in a row. Um, and how they seem to think that's a, a face turn for her. And really all it is is the fact that it's a meme now. We just want to see her go through tables. Um, Mandy Rose is now out injured. Ironically, on a spot with Nia Jax. This case doesn't seem to be Nia's fault, but still. <laughs> Wait, uh, who's injured? Uh, Mandy Rose. Oh. Um, she got tossed out of the ring by Nia uh, a couple weeks ago. And came down really hard on her shoulder, on the ring apron. Uh, did not look like Nia did anything necessarily wrong. I think Mandy missed grabbing the rope or grabbed it too late. It just kind of flipped her more than she needed to. She didn't get the proper um, cushion to her fall. Mandy or bad luck, and it was on Nia. But it's still bad luck for Nia to be involved in that at all. But they ended up, uh, it seemed to be a legitimate injury because they have now written... Uh, Mandy and her, I guess, tag partner, Dana Brooke, off of the women's Survivor Series team. Um, also written off the Survivor Series team was uh, Chelsea Green, who made her debut at complete random on SmackDown because she had been hurt. She'd been held off of SmackDown because she'd been hurt. She enters on SmackDown, gets in a battle royal to uh, make Team SmackDown, and gets thrown out of the ring, breaks her wrist. She really so, got hurt again? <laughs> Not exactly the, you know, good luck charm there. Um, but for all the bad stuff that I could talk about WWE, and there is there is quite a bit, uh, there are also some bright spots, and I do want to single out uh, one in particular. Um, this is a one match, one single match, that I, uh, I kind of missed the ball a little bit. It should have been on my top ten from October, because it did technically happen in October. Unfortunately, I didn't see the match until this past weekend. Um, so it kind of is in this weird limbo where it's not going to make this month's top 10 because it wasn't in November, but it should have made the top 10, but it wasn't. However, it is going to make a very uh, prestigious list right now where it is, well, I should say prestigious. It's prestigious in my mind, at least. Uh, it is on the short list right now for my match of the year. Uh, and I wanted to sing it out a little bit and give it a little bit of love. The... Uh, NXT UK title match uh, was October 29th between Walter and Ilya Dragon. And right now, I would say Cards on the Table is my front runner for match of the year. Um, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, 25 minutes. Like me. We'll do it. I've told you to watch it multiple times. Uh, reason being, um, I've talked about Walter before. Uh, he was the uh, he was in the match of the year last year for me. Uh, his match with Tyler Bate. Um, what this match was, and they mentioned it during the match itself, uh, kind of in lead up to the match, but they mentioned it during the match itself was to redefine violence. 
And I will go out on a limb and say, short of maybe a, a few that I could probably name off, this is one of the most violent singles matches. Not a gimmick match. The most violent, straight-up wrestling matches I have ever seen. Damn. And here's the thing. Look at your two competitors. and We don't really talk in XTUK a lot. and Part of that's by design because they haven't been airing up again until recently, but I don't get to watch it as often because I only have so many hours in the day. Same reason I don't talk a lot about Impact and I haven't talked a lot about New uh, Japan. I consume so much freaking wrestling on a weekly basis that adding more is not exactly entertaining sometimes. But uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov, uh, Walter is a known commodity. Most people who are listening to the show know who he is. Um, giant Austrian man who doesn't do a lot of flashy stuff, doesn't have a lot of high like high flash moves. He's not doing any Meltzer drivers. He's got boots. He's got chops. He's got suplexes. He's got a sleeper hold. That's pretty much it. But he looks like he can kill you. Everything he does is done stiff and is done incredibly violent. You pair him up with a guy uh, by the name of Ilya Dragunov, who may be a little less familiar to most people listening today. Uh, if you follow Progress, you follow WXW out of Germany, you probably know him. But he's not uh, as known a quantity over here in the U.S. Ilya Dragunov is, for my money, one of the best sellers on the planet. Uh, he is uh, about five, I think five eight, five nine, somewhere in there. 195 pounds, not the biggest of guys. Looks like he's made out of cordwood. Like he is cut shit, but is incredibly intense. Like, uh, imagine Ken, Pete Ken Shamrock. You know, when Shamrock would snap. Hell yeah. Be <clears throat> a dragon off pretty much 24 hours a day. Like, the dude just looks like he has done all the coke in the world. Whoa. Um, and he is vocal, he is yelling, he is snorting and hollering and cussing and whatever in Russian throughout the entire match, but the dude can sell. And uh, in this case, the selling helps, but it's not really needed because Walter absolutely brutalized him. We talked about Walter's chops before, they're terrifying. They're flat out terrifying. Soul-destroying. Midway through this match, Dragunov's chest looks like raw hamburger. Ew. His back, the back of his neck. And the, most of the story in this match was focused around Dragunov's neck. That's the spot they chose to sell. It was his neck. The back of his neck looked like raw hamburger from being chopped in the back so many times. They were cool. really high and they were like talking to each other. And they're like, hey, man. What's the weirdest? They're like, hey man, what's the weirdest spot that no one has ever sold in a match? And they like talked about it for a couple hours and they came up with back of the neck. I don't know that it was really so much planned out so much as they said, hey, let's just focus on the neck. And said, both of them said, hey, fuck me up, fam. That's pretty much what happened. 95% of this match, and I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. There are a few suplexes. There are a few sleeper holds. 
but 95% of this match was chops. Open palm strikes to the face, the neck, the chest, the back. Lariats. 90, 99% of the match is probably strikes. Shit. And Walter and Dragunov beat, and I, I say this on the I say this in the top 10 a lot, they beat the living snot out of each other. These two beat each other like they owed each other money. Woo! And you, you don't really think about it. I was listening to uh, Alvarez talking about this the other day, that when you think about a match, you think about people in a fight, they're not using closed fists. There's not, there isn't a single closed fist punch. You don't think of it being that hard hitting. They're just slapping each other, right? You know, even a Ric Flair chop, just slap, right? Oh, yeah. Until you think about how big Walter's hands are. It's like a it's like a two by four hitting you in the chest. What's that? It's like a two by four literally hitting you in the chest. It's like getting hit with a frying pan. You can concuss somebody with an open palm strike. You know, you can you can break a jaw with an open palm strike. That is true. Um, I mean, just think about the uh, the first Royal Rumble after Daniel Bryan came back from injury, and he got I think it was the greatest Royal Rumble, the one they had in Saudi Arabia where he had a close encounter with Roderick Strong's chops, and his chest looked like it was bright red. Yes, it did. Um, yeah, that's Dragunov on pretty much a good third of his body. Damn. And the selling is on point. The violence, there's, it's, it's different than most New Japan matches. Than and that's saying something. And on top of that, because it's... Uh, we are still in pandemic times, even over in England. Um, the set that they're using, they don't have a Thunderdome for NXT UK. It is still an empty arena match. Because of that, you hear every smack. You hear every chop. You hear every slap. You hear Dragunov sounding like he is weeping in pain. <laughs> you hear Walter sounding like he is you know, clotheslining the man's soul out. And it makes it that much better. Now, granted, I think the crowd probably would have been hot for it. It would have been a great match in front of a live crowd. However, uh, this honestly benefits from having that style. I I can't understand how awful and violent this match was. Um, it looked, and I think it was a, a reaction video uh, I've watched part of. Uh, it had uh, Shawn Michaels and and a couple and had like uh, Sheamus and Cesaro and uh, I think McIntyre. I want to say uh, Killian Dane all watching the match back and reacting to it. And I can't remember who makes the comment. I want to say it was uh, I want to say it was Michael, but I don't think it's correct. Um, the two of them looked like they'd gone through a ladder match. That there was that level of brutal spot. Damn. There isn't a weapon involved. That's insane. Literally. It's it's it has to be seen to be believed. Meltzer gave it five stars. The first uh, WWE match this year to get five stars, to my knowledge, it's the first WWE match in quite a while to get five stars. Shit. Last one I can remember off the top of my head was uh, Johnny Gargano and Andrade a couple years back. Take over Philadelphia, I think. So for Meltzer to give it that 
take time to go watch this match. So if you've got access to the app, NXT UK, October 29th. The last match on the card is about 25 minutes long. Go take the time. You won't regret it. Well, you, you might win and regret it, but you're not going to regret the time spent. Hell yeah. Well, I'm excited to look. I'm looking forward to watching it. Like I told you off air, I had queued it up to watch it, planned to watch it. Life happened and I didn't get to watch it. So I'm, I'm, it's on my list to watch. I promise it's going to be by the next time we record next week, I will have watched it. I promise. Yeah. I'm happy to, to, I, I want to watch it with you because I want to see your reactions to it. However, I think we can save that for another time too. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That that could be interesting. Yeah. Well, shit, man. I don't. Is there much left in the wrestling world really right now to talk about? I feel like it's kind of been. I think we've covered just about all of it. Um, again, shout out to Top Flight. Uh, I'm really happy to see them on uh, AEW. Uh, some of the if you got to see the hype video that they used. Um, a lot of that stuff was filmed at the Collective this year. And uh, I got a kick out of seeing uh, some of the shots from the Collective, some of the shots from Black Label Pro making it onto AWTV. I love it. Um, that's got to feel rewarding just because, you know, you re- you're into them. Recognizing the venue made it made it really that much better. Um, just as a quick aside, I mentioned my uh, personal life uh, and the not that entertaining end of it that I'm having. Um, I do want to take a point while I've got the opportunity to, you know, outside of from here and just be standing on the But the shit ain't real. The shit is not fake. COVID, all the shit, and a hoax. I hear somebody tell me it's a hoax. I'm going to punch your fucking teeth out. It's true. I'm going to watch him punch your teeth out, and I'm going to smile that he did it. Don't play with this shit, guys. Wear your mask. Don't go out for Thanksgiving. Sucks. It absolutely sucks. You know, I'm, let me let me put it to you this way. Going, not being able to go see your family at Thanksgiving this year sucks. It does. It sucks on face. It doesn't quite suck as much as going to a funeral where you can't give family members hugs. And if there's anything that I can say that prevents anyone else from having to deal with that, I will take that opportunity to say it. Be safe. Be smart. The shit's real. Alex Jones can kiss my ass. Because the shit is not playing around. 225000 Sucks, man. Ugh. 225000 That sucks, but I know too it's two more than you should know. Didn't have to be this way. Didn't have to be that way for me. Didn't have to be this way for anybody. And it doesn't have to be that way going forward. Nope. Well, it's got to band together, man. Everybody does their part. Everybody wears their mask. Everybody gets their head out of their asses. They six feet apart. Mm. Not hard to have. Common courtesy. Not hard to have. Hmm, man. Well, Buckles, I think that's a beautiful spot to end this show, considering everything that's been going on in our world. I want to thank everybody for tuning into this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. You guys can catch us on the Journey into Comics Network 
right here at journeyintocomics.com or go to all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's Apple Music, Amazon Music, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, CastBox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Get our one feed of amazing shows. We will be bringing you guys some new cool content very, very soon. And I think that is going to do it this week. Buckles, is there anything else you wanted to add before we get out of here? I think that's got it about it. Um, I will be back on the Twitter machine here very shortly. I have not been uh, been on there quite as much in the last couple of weeks uh, for different reasons. But going forward, I should be back on there very soon. He's returning like Jordan wearing the 4-5. He's bringing it, bringing it back. But uh, uh, Step it back there a little bit, Jay-Z. We'll get there. Ooh, baby. Oh, shit. Okay. Um God, you got me. You threw me all off now. Uh, fuck. Uh, anyways, folks, this has been Journey into Wrestling, Season 5, Episode 6. Heel turn in Hobbs. I've been Nate. I am the table. <laughs> Still bucking, dude. And we will see you fine folks next week on another episode of Journey into Wrestling. Later.